All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, who? Uh, let's have just a brief moment of confession. Ooh. Who loves Christmas shopping? Both got two front rows. Oh, thank you for your honesty. Yeah, yeah. Who, who in this room? Let's na- let's narrow it down a little bit. What woman in this room loves spending money? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, I love it. 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 Uh, it is. There's something like the endorphins start going off. You know, you start spending. You know. Uh, but it's less satisfying with the card, you know what I'm saying? That's why they say that you spend more with the plastic rather than the actual money. It's because uh, mentally that it doesn't feel like you're, you're doing anything, you know. It, it like turns like water to give up cash, I think. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Maybe I got that from Dave, probably. All good money quotes came from Dave Ramsey, probably. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, you know, so it's it's funny... Uh, so since uh, a long time, but just about since Emily and I have been married, I think we haven't done like really Christmas gifts. But especially with the kids, it's kind of like something that we just said we're not going to get into that. But you know, we kind of went through the fiery furnace with our family about it. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so did you guys, did you guys nail the first two commandments in the back. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You got the first one too? Defer to your sister. There you go, right on. You win some hot cocoa. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. Extra extra Jesus points if you if you get all ten. In ten seconds. Go. Um right on. So this morning. Uh, we, our text is uh, probably a familiar text for uh, many of you, maybe. You've at least colored some coloring sheet at some point of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, which makes for a great coloring sheet, right? Uh, unless, the, unless the fourth man didn't show up and the whole thing went bad, you know, then... Uh, you know. Then we find some other way to color it, like we do Noah's Ark, you know. So, but uh, anyway, so we're in uh, Daniel chapter 3, and Daniel's a really interesting book. It's uh, known mostly as apocalyptic literature, and uh, so uh, this, this term, uh, apocalyptic, uh, apocalypse, that kind of thing, it literally means, uh, it doesn't mean like end times as we sort of use it for, but it means... Uh, like an unveiling or revealing or something, like an uncovering what is hidden, right? That's what apocalypse means, uh, to sort of unwrap, uh, if you will. Uh, and so, it's, uh, it's interesting right now, too, there's so much, so much going on in the world, and I'm sure maybe you guys have seen all the, uh, you know, the naming of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel stuff going on, you know, and the world is in a funny place, and some people don't really know what to do with this information, and, and, uh, and some do, and uh, or some think that they do, you know, and uh, and so now you got this whole group of Christians, this uh, sort of like dispensationalist, and they're like, this is a 
this is clearly what's happening here, right? It, it talks about it in the book of Daniel or, or something like that. Uh, so there's a certain thread of theology, right, that needs Scripture to behave very uh, rigid. It needs Scripture to do certain things at certain times, right, and us to fill in the blanks uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, but Daniel's very interesting uh, in that it, it, it doesn't, you know, it's definitely one of those that, that doesn't uh, obey the rules, right? And so, and generally, uh, as uh, I guess Wesleyans, uh, we don't necessarily believe that Scripture acts this way anyway. Uh, but especially uh, in Daniel and uh, in these earlier chapters, in chapter 3, uh, uh, literarily it's very sort of satirical in nature. Uh, and so I think it's going to be interesting for us to read this text this morning and sort of maybe even pull out a, a few of those things that you sort of notice as, as maybe this sort of like satirical uh, apocalyptic uncovering uh, that which is hidden sort of text, um, and so there's 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 a lot going on here uh, uh, in uh, in this text, um, and so and I wanted to say too I you know I just couldn't help myself but I uh, I went ahead and got us all uh, a, a nice gift for Advent this morning and I wanted to you know bring it in here for us you know and so. Uh, maybe we can open it at the end. I just want to let it marinate here. And so, uh, but let me tell you one thing: uh, not not being someone who does Christmas shopping anymore, is that wrapping paper is the biggest ripoff in the market today. And my wife keeps making fun of me. She's like, "How are you just now discovering this?" Like, you know, it's like when, when I grew up, like we had gobs of wrapping paper under my parents' bed, you know, and they had rolls that were this thick, like, and if you got hit with one, like, you're done, you're out, you know, but, but now they're like rinky-dink, like there's like 12 square feet, okay, and it's like $7 for a roll, like they're making some money on this stuff, like it's the wrapping paper, it's not the gifts. Anyway, four rolls later and two trips to the store, I have your gift. Yeah, uh, and so uh, here we are this morning, so let, that, let the anticipation begin, your big golden gift. Uh, also, just a side note, I'd love to point out that our Christmas tree is also celebrating Advent. As, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, on its, it's on its way, it's here, it's not yet, you know, uh, it's, it's anticipation, it's eager, you know, it's like uh, the fourth week we're just going to light the whole thing, uh, you know, but anyway... There's that. And some little elves apparently were over here trying to pre-open the package. You know, you have a wrap box in a room and there's nothing else you can do. So anyway, Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar uh, made a golden statue whose height was 60 cubits and whose width was 6 cubits. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Uh, and so, uh, just real quick, so that would have been 90 feet high and 9 feet across. Uh, so think like um, like this 10 to 1 ratio, you know, think like the Washington Monument. Uh, you know, it's also a 10 to 1 ratio kind of thing. But, but uh, and, and, and so structurally, uh, this was typically not a good idea. You want the bottom to be, you know, wider than the top. Anyway, so it was sort of this beanpole kind of statue he made out of gold. Uh, and, and so, sort of begin to get this image. Um, and, but similarly to our day, uh, especially for the Babylonians, gold was like, what's up, right? They were all about their gold. They loved their gold. And uh, which 
consumeristically, Emily and I were in Rivergate Mall last night because one in Rome. Uh, but uh, and I and I was informed that uh, that gold is no longer in; it's rose gold, right? And that I had never heard of it, never seen it. She was like, "Honey, rose gold." It's like you know. Anyway, so but but they were. Uh, they're all about their gold. Gold was the gravitational center for Hellenistic economy, okay? This was like it for them. And so the king himself had this sort of gold fetish uh, as well. And so he establishes gold as sort of the god of this whole world. Uh, and so, uh, and what's interesting to note, along with this, uh, what we know is that in this same year uh, that Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he has conquested Jerusalem. And so the same year, in 587 B.C., that the golden statue went up was the same year that uh, the temple came down. And so all of a sudden you've got this Jewish people who are there in captivity experiencing all this and receiving these, uh, receiving these commands right in 587 B.C. to worship this golden statue as their place of worship had now come down. Uh, right, so it's very stark. Uh, sort of place to be in this contrast. So this false, uh, this false worship stood in direct opposition to this true worship. Right. So we're going to keep going. Uh, verse two. The then King Nebuchadnezzar sent for the uh, the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the justices and the magistrates and all the officials and their mothers, and uh, and they assembled and uh, came to the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So literally, you're you're getting you're beginning to get some feel of more of this language, like this sort of over the top, right? Uh, every single representative of Babylonian power and prestige had come, right, to see and to serve this gold, right? Uh, and so, it's, and it's interesting too when you begin to look, uh, uh, even later in Epiphany, uh, a lot of these sort of the wise men, these sort of magistrates, these magi, right? Uh, these are the kind of people uh, that show up. Right at at the uh, at the manger, right at the, at the nativity, you get these these wise men who were maybe from uh, sort of a ba- Babylonian kind of area, or uh, and so you almost get this image uh, now here. All these wise men gather at their uh, their own nativity here to worship, uh, and so we, we're sort of skipping ahead in the text, but it's verse eight is the next one you got there, and it says, uh, accordingly at this time. Certain Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews, and they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn and the pipe and the lyre and the trigon and harp and drums and entire musical uh, ensemble shall fall down and worship uh, the golden statue. Uh, And so... Again, you get sort of this list, this sort of almost hyperbole, just this, this list, the horn, and the pipe. And so, uh, but it's interesting, even if you look a little closer at it, uh, this, uh, some of the language, some, some of your text will say pipe or flute, but it was basically this, this wooden little chiseled like flute dealio that, that was well known as, like a, as a peasant's instrument, right? Like this is like poor man's stuff, you know, like uh, playing his flute, flute by his little fire or something. Uh, but then right next to it, you get the, the lyre, which, which would have been either made out of precious metals, it would have been made out of, like, ivory or something. Uh, this is, like, the aristocrat's instrument. Like, this is, like, uh, this is totally different group of people. This is totally different place. And then you get, like, the trigon, which was, like, 
like bagpipes or something. So I don't know. Maybe they had some Irish people there. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. But essentially, what it's sort of saying, like people from all walks of life, right? The poor and the wealthy, right? Everyone is is demanded of them to come and worship at the statue, right? It's a universal demand of all people. Uh, verse eleven. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. And so if you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a little bit, uh, just right in this previous chapter, they sort of like... At the end of chapter 2, they sort of gain some ground with the king. They get a little influence. Like, they're going places in Babylon. Uh, but they're also, they, they are Jews who are being held captive uh, in, in this place, right? And that's not even their real names, right? If you remember their real names, it's uh, Hananiah, Michelle, and uh, Ezra, right? This happens. They, they take their names and they give them new Babylonian names, right? But... I mean, you got to admit, like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like, that's, like, way better, you know, it's, like, it's sort of, like, you know, uh, but, um, anyway, so, but they had sort of earned the king's trust, right, and then, and then now, beginning of verse, uh, the next chapter, right, now they're, like, not worshiping the statue, and so, you sort of get a little context of why he ends up just so angry, uh, and so then it says, uh, Then King Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. And so they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the how, the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. Now, I love these next three words, okay? These next three words are probably the most powerful words in the book of Daniel and have far-reaching consequences beyond this little story, right? You ready? But if not... But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Boom. Yeah, that's like, mic drop. Yeah, no, I love it. It's like, dang. I mean, I, are you hearing this? Like, if our God we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace, you know, and out of your hand, let, him, let it happen. But if not, but if, but if not, but if he chooses not to, even then, we will not worship your statue. Like, even then, we will, we, will, we will die. We will lose our lives, right? It's interesting, if you look close to the text, the king's like, uh, if you, but if not. And then the Jews are like, well, if there is, 
but it's not. There's sort of this, this play on words, there's just a little bit of a dance that happens here. Right? They profess that their God, you know, he can deliver them, but but if he doesn't, even if not, then, you know. And so this is like the most infuriating aspect, isn't it, for people who are in power, for people who have the influence. It like it, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter to Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, right? It, it doesn't matter, right? Because they adhere to this alternative reality of the reign of God. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like it's so, you see, this is so infuriating, right? Uh, and so, because you realize what's at stake for them, right? Literally, uh, uh, the first command, right? You shall have no other gods before me. Like this is this is big, okay? For these for these Jews, it's just <laughs> you've torn down our temple. You put up this stupid golden thing, and now you're you're calling me to break my the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. The second, you shall have no other idols, right? Literally, it goes on to say, and whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, right? Exodus 4 and 5, right? And so, what do you do when someone tells you you're not allowed to keep the first commandment anymore, right? What do you do? What do you do when, when the king says you're not allowed to, to follow the first commandment anymore, right? What, what do you do, right, when, uh, you know, how do you respond when your very way of, of worship is being threatened, right? I mean, how do you respond? How, how have you responded, right? How do we respond? Moving on. Uh, covering some ground here. And King Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and it says his face was distorted. Right. I, I love this, right? Because uh, you have to remember how we get uh, the scripture, right? This was this was passed down from like oral tradition, uh, you know, all, over years and years and years and years, and and the detail that that remained over the the late night stories and the campfires and everything. Or, or that, that somehow got put in there. It was like, and he was so angry that his face was distorted. You know, and the kids are like, ah, you know. And, uh, you know, you just imagine these details being bad, you know, and eventually written down. You know, he's so angry his face is distorted. And he ordered the, the furnace to be heated up seven times, right? Hotter than it's ever been, right? This, this perfect temperature, right? You're sort of hearing it, aren't you? Uh, and so, seven times more than customary. Historians actually say that these furnaces uh, at max go all the way up to 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, just just literally. So, like, stupid hot, right? You know, like this, this doesn't even make sense. And he ordered some of the, the strongest guards in his army right, to, uh, to come and bind them, it says. And to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire, and so you you begin to you know step back and get a bigger picture. I, I, I love this story, right? All sort of the you know these uh, these these big things, right? And the three men they ignore uh, Neb's command, right? And they get so angry, and then his face is distorted, and it's seven times hotter. And he orders his strongest guards in the army, and they bind them. Like at three times in the text, it says how they bound them, you know, just in case they they escape from the. You know, from the flames, right? 
and, uh, and, and they throw them in. It says, uh, verse 21, so the, the men were bound and they were still wearing their, their tunics and their trousers and their hats and their other garments, right? And they were thrown into the, the furnace of blazing fire. Uh, and, and sort of sort of side note, but I feel like all this kind of begins to add up. Uh, so uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel's uh, unique in that it's partially written in Aramaic. And so and there's this, uh, in Aramaic, there's sort of this rhyming quality to, uh, to this uh, sort of like, uh, their, their garments and their tunics and their trousers and their hats, you know, it's kind of like, uh, there's kind of like a lock, stock, and barrel kind of thing uh, going on. But in verse 22, it says, Because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Right? And every time I read this, I can only think of like that scene in Return of the Jedi where, where Darth Vader's picking up the Emperor, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, the Emperor, there's, there's lightning bolts everywhere, you know, and then he ends up dying. Spoiler alert, you know, he just takes the, you know, the same thing. But uh, the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Uh, so, uh, several years ago now, it's interesting that uh, when Martin Luther King was uh, in jail in Birmingham, Alabama, and he's writing this letter, and he references uh, this story, right, uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, and he speaks about his act of defiance, right, and refusing uh, to capitulate to the, to the forces of institutionalized uh, racism, right, and he talks about this in, in, in his rally for civil disobedience, right? And he, he invokes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as a witness to the uncompromising commitment to the truth, right? The, the, the story takes a turn, and all of a sudden there's sort of this, there's a civil disobedience quality to it, right? There, there's, there's something going on uh, here. But it's crucial to note that, that God right, uh, doesn't necessarily spare his people from the fire, but he, is, but he is found to be with his people in the fire. And that God's purposes, right, are still fulfilled and complete even in and with and through the fire. Uh, and so, question for us becomes, how far, how far are we willing to, to sell out our most basic convictions before we say we can go no further, right? How far are we willing to sell out some of our most basic things we say we're about, like the first commandment, right? Before we say we're willing to go no further becomes a critical question for this text. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I feel like, obvious parallels in this, uh, in this scripture that you could, you, could go pol- you could go political, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's a lot going on. There's these ridiculous laws and decrees and pompous leaders who make buffoons of themselves, you know. It's like, I mean, there's kind of some parallels. There's kind of some parallels. But, uh, you know, I-, I wonder what it says to us this morning about our state of Advent. Uh, and I wonder what it says to us this morning about Advent and about expectation and about as we, we wait for Christmas, right, and as we prepare, right? You know, I think Advent is and probably will continue to be throughout your lifetime one of the most difficult things that you will try to participate in as a Christian, right? I mean, 
what could be more difficult, uh, you know, than, than trying to participate in Advent? Uh, you know, it's like everything is set up against you in Western culture, in, in America. You know, it's like, it's like everything, it's, 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 it's in your face. Like, it is very, very difficult, right? It's, we've, we, it's been hijacked by uh, the god of consumerism, right? Big, golden consumerism. Are, are you with me? I mean, it's, it's, it's hijacked. It's rose gold. I thought that was funny. <laughs> so it, it, the, the season comes along and, and the lights come on and, 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 then, and then they start playing Bing Crosby you know and then you're like oh man it's like a, it's like a call to worship you know what I'm saying and, and, the, and, the, and the garland comes out right and <coughs> reindeer rose such a clatter and yeah, no, and 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 it's just like it, it builds and builds and builds, and we get out our pocketbooks and we go we go to worship, you know, and so uh, you know so it's funny this year, uh, what it is about this year, but people keep coming up to uh, up to us, up to me, and and up to uh, up to story, and and uh, we're sitting somewhere the other day, and some some mother uh, turned and looked at story. And she said, "So have you got your you got your list in for Santa yet? You know, and uh, you know, and no no offense to you guys if if you do Santa, it's like whatever, you know. But we do so we do like Saint Nicholas Day, and we did on the sixth, and and the night of the fifth, we had them put their shoes outside, you know. And Saint Nicholas came by and put stuff, put lightsabers in their shoes, and uh, anyway, yeah. You know, but uh, you know, look it up, you know, and." Um, Anyway, so and so she's like, you get your, you get your list of Santa, and Story just like does this, this does the story thing. If you've ever tried to interact with Story, and she just wasn't having, it, and where she just stares into your soul and says nothing, you know. And uh, and the other mother was like, who didn't really know us very well. She was like, you know. And I was like, I was like, let's not breach this topic, you know. And uh, it's been happening over and over again this season. Uh, and, and to me too, like the other day I was doing this, uh, uh, I was at this place anyway, and this, this older, older gentleman came up and he was like, so, uh, man, what did he, what did he say exactly? He was like, he was like, uh, he was like expressing, yeah, he was like, how, he was like, how, how are things going for, for Christmas and your kids? You know, like, like expressing some sort of like. Uh, like chivalrous concern about the state of like presents for my children or something for Christmas, uh, which which I thought you know on one hand it's like it's like a, you know that's a loving sort of gesture thing. I don't know what he's insinuating or whatever you know. Uh, it's no secret like how poor we are you know. But uh, any, anyway you know. But 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 the other side of that like oh my gosh like it's so hard for me to put my finger on. Uh, almost the only way I know how to, to talk about it is something reminiscent of Jews captive in Babylon, right? No, I, I mean, are you with me? Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's like the real thing, it's like the real thing is missing, and in place of the real thing, we've put this other empty fake thing, right? <laughs> it's like the real thing is missing, and in this place we put this other sort of fake thing over here. And, and I find it interesting, and maybe take this as you will, but I just can't help but, but point it out, is, is, that, is, is that 
on Christmas morning when we find ourselves like this under the tree, right? And it's like literally uh, we find ourselves in the in the posture of worship. <laughs> Isn't it a little ironic? And it's like you know, and 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 I'm and again, like I'm not here bashing Christmas gifts. Like that's not the point of what I'm saying. But I wonder if sometimes, if at any other point during the season, we find ourselves in this posture. And so... Praise the Lord. You know, gifts can be good. It's again, it's not like I'm not, I'm not shaming that. But I think, but I think sometimes I wonder. I wonder if there's just a lack. Sometimes we just lack something better to do. You know, so uh, we've we've like confounded my family, my parents. I think still hate the fact that that Emily and I don't do gifts. You know, and and then still somehow we do dirty scene. I don't know, and it's just confounding. But, uh, but you know, I, you know, it's like, what else would we do on Christmas? Yeah, no, it's like, uh, it's interesting. But, but come on, I think, I think there's a little, there's a little, like, we got to get a little honest with ourselves sometimes because, like, the endorphins, endorphins are released, uh, when, when we get something new. Like, uh, when we, when we crinkle paper, like, oh my gosh, like, please, crinkle some paper right now, like, you know, it's like, there's something that happens when we smell it, and when we get that new thing, you know, and it's a surprise, and, and the wrapping, right, I mean, praise the Lord, you know, it's, uh, it's just fun, you know, but uh, I, was, I was chatting with, with a girl who's cleaned my teeth the other day, so I wasn't really, it was an awkward chat, you know, <laughs> and it's like, why do you have to try to talk to me when you're cleaning my teeth, because I cannot respond to you, uh, but, which is probably for the best. But she was saying, we were talking about, we were having this conversation again, yet another one. And, um, and she was saying, uh, you know, I expressed how I was like, oh, you know, we try not to, you know, we do our gifts another time, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, yeah, I, uh, uh, you know, we really try to do that with our kids too, you know, but I just want them to have the same experience that I had growing up and, and, and that. But she was like, I just don't know if I can afford the $1,800 mountain bike this year. You know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it was like, uh, uh, you know, and then I started telling her about Earth Tone. I was like, I've come across a couple mountain bikes. I'll save you one or something, you know, <laughs> like freebie, fix or ever. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, it, so don't get me wrong. Like I, as a kid, I loved opening up a, a Ninja Turtle on Christmas. Like, I mean, right, that's my favorite too. Like that, that Batman, thank you. You know, like, and I still have them. I still have them all. You know, I can't even let them go. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've kept them all. And so, but I think for a lot of us, we were a generation who had, uh, we had consumerism for Christmas, right? Uh, we, had, we had something else for Christmas, you know? And, and I think perhaps to be a Christian, I think, so the, kind of where we're going, I think, is, is, is to be a Christian in Advent in America in 2017 is a little bit like trying to be a faithful Jew forced to live out your faith in Babylon in 587 B.C. 
but it's ah, oh, it's literally that hard. And you start messing with people's Christmas, and it's like it's like messing with their American rights. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, it's like Christmas. We think about Christmas as the time we're supposed to get like I have a free pass to be consumeristic. Yeah, no. It's like, you know, it's Christmas. Like, you know, it's like I, I like a free pass, right? Rather than thinking about Advent and Christmas as the time where we get to be free from that which consumes us. Whew. All right. Number, uh, verse 24, we're going somewhere. We're about to sing up. Um, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly, and he said to his counselors, Was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? And they answered the king, True, true, O king, he replied. You know, it's like, this is their role, you know. Uh, but I see four men unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the fourth has an appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and even the smell of fire right, came, uh, did not come from them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Like, it's like, this was your command. Like, you're such a jabroni. You know? And uh, anyway, and then he says, uh, you know, you can't repent that quickly. You know, but, um, and therefore, I make a decree, right? Any... People, nation, or language that utters blasphemy against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, you know. And you just imagine the, the you know the Jews like, whoa, like hang on, like, you know, we're not we're not like, you know. He's like, oh no. It says, then the then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon, right? What, I mean, what, what was going through their minds? Like, people die in the fire. I mean, that is a real thing. It's like they, they held on, they held on to their commitment, like, even in the midst of a foreign land, foreign people, foreign rule, foreign law, right, foreign gods. And so, closing this morning, I wonder what, I wonder what some of the temptations for us are. Uh, this morning, uh, in a season of Advent, and what it and what it means to be uh, uh, a Christian, uh, even in in America in 2017, right? Uh, what are the temp- some of the temptations for you this season? What are what are some of those laws? What are some of those false images? Uh, I wonder, you know. But you better be careful because if you set yourself up against too many of those things, right, that even uh, quite a few, you know, Christians in, in, in the Western uh, world, right, hold this dogma, I mean, you're going you're gonna to get thrown in the fire, right? Personal experience. But even when you're in the fire, 
but to know this morning that you are not alone. Jesus says in John 18, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, for this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And so uh, this morning, to close, uh, do you know that everything that you uh, everything you wear, everything that uh, you eat, everything that you drink, everything that you decorate your house with, uh, right, speaks about what you believe about heaven. Everything that you are and that you do, that you possess, right? Everywhere you go says something about what you believe about the reign of God, even here on earth, right? It's, it's uh, our, our heaven theology, right? It's our, uh, right? It's, it's, it's all integrated, right? Everything you do reflects and represents what you believe about heaven uh, and about uh, everything thereof, right? Even Advent. Uh, and so, um, yeah, this morning, so, um, I, th- I think, uh, we should glimpse into the, uh, we should have a, we should have an apocalypse, uh, of the big advent box. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't just, I can't just get this for you guys and then not, not open it, uh, for you, you know, because I thought, you know, it's like... Uh, you know, it, it was it was like very difficult. Anyway, maybe you know, anybody want to help me open it? You want to help me open it, Jeremy? Maybe we just pull it open. You know, some kids have already tried. You know, let's see. I'm really excited about this. Let's see. Oh. Oh. It hasn't come yet. Uh, it, it hasn't come yet. Sorry. Well, that's the problem with Advent gifts. Yeah, no. It's just, you know, it's just, it just hasn't, it hasn't come yet. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Well, maybe we can open this other one. We'll save this other one for you. You must not have Prime. We'll save this. Yeah, yeah. Amazon Prime. Yeah, I got So, that's, uh, that's tough. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Well, I, I, I'm going to talk to the elves myself about it. Uh, so, this morning, uh, don't be surprised when it turns out that this whole other thing, you know, the thing that we've replaced the real thing with, right, that 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 comes up empty. And that we find that the whole thing was just a shell. So this morning, may you find yourself uh, waiting. May you find yourself in expectation. May you find yourself uh, in a posture of worship. Not the God of consumerism or image, right, but at the feet of Yahweh, our King, right? And when the world makes a cacophony, right, of the trigon and the lyre, right, and the flute and the pipes and the drums, because it is, and it's everywhere, and it's loud, and it's unavoidable, and when it calls you to worship this season, uh, may you think twice, and may you find yourself uh, even willing to go 
into the furnace, right? Knowing that, that your God is with you as we together walk Christian into this new kingdom. So let's pray this morning and uh, we're going we're gonna to close out with some uh, announcements and some Eucharist this morning. So. Lord God, thank you uh, for this, this ancient story uh, that continues to shape us and fill us and move us and change us. Lord, we give you thanks for this. Lord, in the midst of uh, a place where sometimes the, the greatest uh, challenge against our faith, sometimes the furnace looks a lot more like uh, a place of <laughs> comfort than something that uh, requires our life. Uh, Lord, help us to be found faithful. Uh, help us to know what it means to live in expectation. Help us to know what it means to be people who worship God. And help us just to walk in this together and supporting one another now. So we give you thanks uh, as you are even with us now, uh, Lord, in this place. In your name, amen. amen.